Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How's everybody doing today? What a beautiful springtime morning. It can't get any better than this, man. We got perfect weather. I think God was doing us a favor. I looked at the forecast and said, Saturday 90, Sunday 79, Monday 90. I'm like, God, thank you for giving us a little bit of a break there for Sunday morning. We'll give you a great and fantastic update on our HVAC in just a minute because we do have good news. Who's taking good news today? All right, that's good. Sometimes people, you know, like, hey, do you have a minute? I got some news for you. And I'm like, I'm only taking good news today. All right. This is not one of those days that I'm taking bad news. But today we got some good news. We'll share that in a minute. But before we do that, let's stand up together. We're going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America because America's coming to Jesus. Am I right? Amen. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. 
we declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. All right, you may be seated. Ready for your good news? Praise the Lord. Okay, two units go in tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yes, Lord. Um, We were able to speak to the manufacturer, so they are moving quicker. And we should have more information on that in the rest of this week. So tomorrow, two units. So that means the nursery is going to be freezing. The bathrooms are going to be freezing. And out here should be much, much cooler. So we'll keep trusting the Lord that he keeps bringing the wind in on Saturday afternoon. And we'll get the rest of the units in for sure. Children's churches, of course, now open every Sunday. Yes, Lord. (laughs) Um, They are having the best time. And when you pick up your kids, make sure to check out the game room. The back of Victory, they've made into a game room. um, And they're just having a really, really good time over there fellowshipping. Um, Also on Wednesdays, Jam Junior, so pre-K and kinders, uh, is open as well. And uh, Kids Club Camp is coming June 11th and 12th. You can register online for that as well as pay online. It's very important that you get that in quickly if your kids are going so that we can get t-shirts ordered. Uh, that ends at the end of May. Registration ends at the end of May. So don't procrastinate. Okay. So $20 a student. They're going to have a really great time. Um, they've got it set up like a, like an actual summer camp this year. So there's all kinds of really fun activities and little stations for them. They're doing a great job with that. Um, There is also a couple of lift groups that you need to know about. If you're not attending men's and women's, you need to do that. So the first Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. is men's meeting. The second Friday of each month is women's meeting. If you are looking just for godly friends or to be around people that are going to bring you up, that's where you need to be. So second Friday at 6.30. And we have got... A women's Bible study going on on Tuesdays. There are flyers at the info booth on that. And in June, there will be a Sunday morning, Sunday school, if you will, for those of you who've been in church your whole life, um, Sunday school or uh, just a Bible study Sunday mornings at 9 to 9.30. So you can just grow a little more in your knowledge of the Lord. And if you have not purchased Pastor and Miss P's book yet, that is available at the bookstore. And we're working for some online options as well so that our friends who are online only or who don't live in state can order online as well. If you are our online buddies and you need to get a book like right now until we get that link up, please give us a call at the office number um, and that should be available online. So please feel free to give us a call and we'll get you a book as soon as we can possibly get it shipped. And if you've not purchased a book yet, get moving and know your spot in these end times, what you're supposed to be doing, your position in relevance to these times. Oh, oh, and then my thing, it's not on the list, okay? So youth is doing a trip this year. It's really a big deal. We haven't done a youth trip in two years. 
Um, and youth trips are not just for fun. We don't do anything around here just because it's fun. Fun is good and fun is nice, but we're about Jesus and your eternity. So when we do a youth trip, it's about changing their lives and making an impact on them forever. So we haven't done one in a long time, and we have a whole bunch of new students, and we really want to do one. And we finally got an okay for us to ride in bands together. So that's kind of a big deal. We're excited about that. So we're doing a popsicle fundraiser after this morning service, as well as next Sunday after this morning in the morning service as well. All right. Very good. Isn't it great to see um, so much stuff coming back together and getting back to normal how it should be? So we're excited about that. And I just I encourage you, man, you know, we've got a booming youth group. I, you know, Katie and Jesse and Rosalinda, they've got that youth group packed out on Wednesday nights with kids just coming and hearing the word of God. It is absolutely on fire. And I love to see it. And I really want these kids to have a great summer trip. We're looking at a couple of places. And anyway, so on your way out the door, man, grab a couple popsicles. They aren't even going to melt today because it's not that hot. You know what I mean? So someone offers you a popsicle in the desert. You're like, well, it's just going to melt. Not today, friends. Not today. Buy a popsicle and send the kids to camp this summer. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. All right. Who knows what time it is now? It is happy time. That's right. If you need an envelope, raise your hands. The ushers will give you one. And if you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving and uh, give on there. Uh, we're going to open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis 14. I'll be in the NLT. And I'm going to look at the story of Abraham and Melchizedek. Who loves Melchizedek? Do you know who Melchizedek is? All right. Very good. <laughs> so, uh, man, I've really been studying Abraham a lot lately because uh, we're going to start kind of a new series next week uh, regarding covenants. Because a lot of people, in fact, most people really don't understand what a true covenant is. And so we're going to go kind of a deeper level uh, starting next week and a, and a couple weeks after that regarding covenants. But as I'm studying that, I'm studying the, the life of Abraham because this is one of the main uh, main examples we have of a covenant in the Bible. And so in Genesis 14, there's several bad kings kind of joined together and became raiders. And they were plundering different villages and towns. And in the midst of all of it, Abraham's nephew Lot gets kidnapped and they steal all of his stuff. And so Abraham says, well, you know what? I'm going to rescue my nephew. So he rounds up an army of his own of 318 men and they go and they rescue his nephew Lot. And so Genesis 14 chapter, or excuse me, 14 verse 19, there's a godly priest and king named Melchizedek. And he comes and he blesses Abraham for what he's done to rescue all these people. And so Genesis 14, verse 19, it says, Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, verse 20. And blessed be God most high who has defeated your enemies for you. Now look at this. Look at this. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. Now, what we're looking at right here before your very eyes is the very first instance of tithing ever recorded. It's incredible because nobody told Abraham, you must give a tenth back to the priest. You must give 10% of your increase back to God. We're going to twist your arm. We're going to force you. No. Abraham was so moved and blessed by what God gave to him 
by what God provided and by the ability that the Lord gave to him to receive this increase that it was uh, he was compelled in his heart. I've got to give something back to the Lord. I've got to give something back. Nobody forced him by his own choosing and doing in his heart. He chose to give 10% to God back to the priest. And I'm looking at that. I'm like, man, what an example. This wasn't forced under the Mosaic covenant and the Levitical law. As so many people think this predates the Mosaic law and the Levitical code. This was purely the heart of somebody that loved God so much and said, there's no way I would have what I have without you, God. There's no way I would be able to do what I'm doing without you, God. I've got to give a piece back to God. I have to give something back. And that is on the heart of every born-again Christian that really wants to be a disciple. Nobody forces them to tithe. Nobody twists their arm and says, you need to give to the missionaries. No. They do it because it's on their heart. They know, God, you gave this to me in the first place. I've got to give something back to you. And so it goes on to tell us in Leviticus that the tithe is holy. It's set apart to the Lord. And as a New Testament Christian, I tithe. I give. Not because I'm forced to, but because I fully realize I would have absolutely nothing without God Almighty. And I've got to give something back to him. I've got to bless him back with something. And then God uses that tithe to build a church, to preach the gospel, to make disciples out of all nations. Isn't God a genius? Isn't he smart how he set this whole thing up? Let's give the Lord some praise together today. Amen. Now, it is also the third Sunday of the month, which means it's our Missions Sunday, all right? And so, uh, you know, we've got the Missions Board over here, right behind these two handsome gentlemen that, see, they were trying to get their moment, and so they're standing in front of the Missions Board. Guys, come on, seriously. Come on. All right, so, anyway, we'll throw some pictures of you on Instagram tomorrow. You'll have your minute, Cletus. But, But the Missions Board is right over there, and our monthly missions giving, you know, you gotta realize that we're helping reach the world with the gospel. This isn't just something we do. We support these guys and we believe in what they're doing. And I was going to talk about Julius for a minute today. Who knows our fiery missionary from India? <laughs> if you haven't met Julius yet, you will meet Julius. He is from India and he has one of the most successful guys I know. He, his family built uh, an orphanage and a Christian school uh, and a church, many churches, from the ground up in the middle of hostile enemy territory. He's been thrown in prison. His son's been kidnapped and all this stuff, but he's never given up on what God's called him to do. This is a man with guts and grit, and he comes in and preaches, and he is just a fireball screaming preaching machine. But he, uh, dad talked to him uh, earlier this week just to see how he's doing. He just got back from India. He had spent several months there. He was able to get in over there, thank God, which is really hard right now. And his he's asked our church to pray for his church and his family over there because the COVID situation did get really bad where he's at. He's lost five family members over the last month uh, to COVID. And uh, several church members are in pretty bad shape. And anyway, so he's asked High Desert Word Center, can you guys be standing in faith? for our region of India for healing and for things to break free and for things to get back to where they need to be. And so we said, yeah, of course we're going to pray for you. And so 
We're going to pray for Julius and for his ministry, Peace Mission, which is in India there. And uh, let's stand up together as we do this. We're going to pray as we promised him we would. And then as you give your missions offering today, uh, make sure you mark that envelope plainly that it's your mission so we know to put it where it needs to go. And uh, we're going to get the money to these guys just like we do every month. But let's stand in agreement for Julius and for his ministry over there right now. Amen. Let's raise our hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come together in agreement for Bishop Julius and, and Lord, for, for his church, for his family, for his ministry over there in India. And God, we speak healing right now to everybody that is within his realm of influence in the name of Jesus. We say that, that COVID and anything else, Lord, that has been sent to destroy them and the work that they're doing in the name of Jesus. That curse is broken right now by the stripes of Jesus. According to first Peter two 24, we speak healing unto them right now in Jesus name, Lord, those that are sick and on, 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 on uh, deathbeds and in hospitals and everything else. We speak healing to them in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you're going to get the glory for it, Lord. The Hindus and the Muslims and everybody else over there, they're going to look at these Christians and say, they have got something that we need. And we thank you that this is going to turn around for good in the name of Jesus. And we speak healings and miracles over Julius and his family and his church right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We declare it so. In Jesus' name, can some Somebody say amen today. Amen. Let's speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. Then we can bring those up and present them to God. And we're going to have an awesome time of praise and worship today. Amen. Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. But in 
But I will believe it. Yes, I will believe it. You make mountains move. You make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then, and you'll be faithful now. I am standing on your word Calling heaven down to earth You will fight my enemies This will end in victory I will believe it Yes, I will believe it
And you use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt. And you were faithful then. You will be faithful. You make You make mountains move. You make giants fall. Songs of praise to shake prison walls. Now I will speak to my fear. Now I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then. You'll be faithful. You are faithful. Yes, you were faithful then. You'll be faithful now. Oh, that I know you never fail. Yes, I know that I know you never will. Yes, I know that I know you never fail. Oh, yes, I know that I know you never giants fall you use songs of praise to shake prison walls and I will speak to my fear I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then you'll be faithful you were faithful you were faithful then, you'll be faithful now. Your promise still stands, great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your is my confidence that you never fail me. Oh, I believe your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. 
have got to study your word and learn your word. At Luke chapter 18, you said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Lord, we know you're coming again, but between now and then, we're down here. We have families. We have loved ones. And we know there's a lot of deception, a lot of evil things going on in the world. But Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 60, all those years ago said that the end times, darkness, that gross darkness is going to cover the earth. But then it also said that your glory is going to be seen. They're going to rise upon your people. Lord, we choose the glory. We say no to the gross darkness in our families, in our lives, in our church, in our city. And Jesus, we know there's always the God side and the man side. You said Deuteronomy chapter 30, you said before, is life and death, blessing and cursing. You said, therefore, choose life that both we and our descendants can live. Lord, as for me and my house, as for me and my church, we choose life. We choose to serve. And we thank you today that the things you have me to say are going to resonate in the hearts of the people that are watching us on the Internet and that are here in the service. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Amen. Give somebody a high five, a hug, a shake, whatever you want to do. We're the family of God. We love we hug. We shake hands. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Uh, Maylie, go ahead and put that book up on the, on the screen, will you? Hallelujah. Amen. Going to be talking today again along the lines of what the Lord gave me 21 years ago. And I want to say this. You know, I hope that your spirits left to know that nothing takes God by surprise. You know, when the Lord talked to me, Back in the year 2000, for all those months there, in Amos chapter 3, verse 7, he said, Surely he'll do nothing except he first reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. And so, for myself, I know that I'm not a super special guy, super spiritual guy, or anything else. I'm a born-again Christian with the call of God on my life to be a pastor and to be a Bible teacher. And 21 years ago, God told me things to help the body of Christ with today, 21 years later. As we're worshiping God there, I'm just thinking so many things I can say. By the way, that book's available in the bookstore and also online. They've got things set up. You can get it online if you want to send it to some of your friends or relatives that live somewhere else. But uh, I'm thinking. And, you know, it's really hard to separate politics from our everyday life now. I was thinking about the Civil War. How many have ever heard anything about the Civil War back in the mid-1900s? Brothers were fighting brothers. Children were fighting parents. It was all over political beliefs. And you know, Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. Satan has the same old tactics he's always used called divide and conquer. It's a terrible thing when we get to that place again where we experienced Back in the in the uh, early mid 1800s, I should say, back back in those days there, when President Lincoln got assassinated over politics and all those people fighting each other, the North against the South, the division, and because I know spiritual laws, and most of you do too, we recognize 
this is not a Democrat, Republican thing. It's not a liberal, conservative thing. Satan, back in eternity past, was called Lucifer. And in heaven, he said, I'm going to divide heaven. He said, I'm going to exalt my throne above God's because I'm smarter than God. And so then God said to Lucifer, this is all in the Bible, he said, well, you think you're such a hot shot, you and all you other angels that want to follow Lucifer, said, come over here. And he kicked him out of heaven. And Luke chapter 10, Jesus said, behold, I saw Satan fall. Revelation chapter 11, that tells details, says that Satan out a third of the angels came with him. They're called fallen angels and now demon spirits. They always wanted to get it over on God. And so then, as Pastor Dave getting ready to talk about providence from the, you know, what he's going to teach other, I can't wait to watch that, that uh, about Israel, about a lot of things going on, that Jesus was born as a Jew. None of this is in notes. I didn't even plan. I don't say any of this. He was born out as a Jew. He, God's uh, first covenant was with the Jewish people. And then Jesus said, I'm going to come back to Israel. God said, that's the apple of my eye. Well, that's why Satan wants to destroy Israel. I was at a conference years and years and years ago. A lady that was very, very knowledgeable, lived in Israel a long time, and she put up a map of the Middle East. It's big. Had one little tiny dot you couldn't even see on the map. And she said, I have all this land over here that everybody can live on. All he wants is the dot. That was Israel. What the dot, because God said, that's mine. And so I recognize the warfare going on. It's in America. It's all over Jesus and Christians and what Christians believe. And Jesus told us in the Gospels in the end times, there's two people groups that are going to be hated of everybody in the world, Jews and Christians. And so I'm not offended at any politicians. They're pawns in a warfare going on. I know I'm going to keep my eye on the ball. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus, on the Word of God. And because I'm called of God to be a Bible teacher, I'm going to teach people the truth. And I pray to God that people that listen to what people like me are teaching from the Bible will get out of getting messed up with stupid politics. Amen. Be educated. Know who you're voting for. Praise God we get to vote. And, you know, I keep thinking of a story that a man this church told me about his life that really I, th- I think we need to take, take a hold of. I was, when I first came to California, there's a, there a man, older man, went to our church here, and we got to where every so often my wife and I would go to Del Taco with him. And we was sitting down eating, and he started telling me his life story. He used to be a Nazi. His dad was a Nazi in the, in the army in Germany. His dad got killed by us in the bombing of Germany, killed his dad, and so I'd never met a Nazi before. This guy was a young man, but he's a Nazi. And I never, I never understood it, but maybe this will help you. I said, how could you ever do something like that? He said, I didn't have any choice. He said, like, in America, we got Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians. He said, all the Nazis were was a political party. And said, as young kids, they gained so much power that all of us kids, I think it was 12 years old, all the boys 12 years old, had to go to Nazi military schools as young guys. And so he said, that's why I was, because it was the law of the land and I had to be a Nazi. And then he said, I think he was only like 14 or 15 years old when all the war was starting on and going big. 
He said, I got on a ship to where did he go to? To England somewhere. He's able to get on a ship as a worker on a ship, and he got out of Germany that way. And so I'm saying with these political parties and things like that, there's a warfare going on. And it's more than gas prices. It's more than COVID restrictions. It's a war. It's a civil war going on right now in America for your children, for my children, for my grandchildren. And like everything's ever happened, when Lucifer got kicked down to the earth, the first place he went was the Garden of Eden. God said, that's my garden. Adam, take care of my garden. He said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. And so he got in the garden. And he got Adam and Eve to do the wrong things. And then God said, okay, I kicked you out of heaven. I'm going to kick you out of the garden too. He kicked him out of the garden. And then Jesus, God prophesied there's one coming, going to be the seed of a woman, said he's going to bruise his heel on your head. And in, in that oriental language, they said that that meant he, to break the lordship of a ruler. So Jesus came back all those thousand years later. He broke the power of the devil. The New Testament, New Testament teaches that over and over again. The power of Satan has been broken over mankind. Then the Bible teaches different time periods. Right now, we're at the end, when Jesus kept talking about in the last days, the end times, we're at the end of the church age where this is going to end. And when that happens, there's going to be seven years of tribulation. And then, et cetera, et cetera, there's going to come a point in time when the book of Revelation says God's going to move heaven back down to earth. And the throne's going to be in Jerusalem, he says. And so I don't care what's going on in Jerusalem right now. I mean, I do care. But I know it's not going to stay that way because I believe the Bible. And when God says heavenly Jerusalem, the book of Revelation calls it heavenly Jerusalem. It says heavenly Jerusalem's coming down. And it says the King of kings, the Lord of lords will rule from heavenly Jerusalem. And so that's why, that's why there's so much going on in the world today. And so we can keep abreast with the news. But more than, more than that, read your Bible. Listen to people that have the fruit of real Bible teachers that teach the Bible. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And I've always said this. Matter of fact, the Lord gave this to me back in the year 2000 when he told me these other things about what I'm going to be teaching today. He said, faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. And so I know just like I went through a cancer battle, heart of stuff, three years ago. I didn't deny there was bad things trying to kill me, but I used my faith to say, no, you can't do it. And so with all the things going on today, you can use your faith to choose what kind of life your family's going to have, what your future's going to be. And, you know, I'll just say one more thing, too, that is so very real to me. How many know that Jesus Christ, according to Hebrews 13, is the same yesterday and today and forever? Well, when the children of Israel were going through the things they were going through through the wilderness, in the daytime, God gave them a cloud to keep them cool. He's not out of clouds. He's still got the cloud business. And at nighttime, he gave them a pillar of fire, supernatural fire, to keep them warm at nighttime. God still got fire. And then, when they had bad water, poison water, I lived in a poison water city one time called Hinkley. I know what poison water is. And so then God told them, throw this branch in the water, 
That's Exodus 15. It said it made the bitter water sweet. God neutralized the poison, made the water good to drink. And then when they ran out of water, he told Moses, hit the rock. Speak to the rock. And he got water out of a rock. And so what I'm telling you is this. With all the things going on, and people tell you you can't have this, can't have that, try to shut off your money supply, look to the one that's got it all. You can get you can get everything it takes to live a prosperous life straight from heaven, but this is not for the phonies. You can't be you can't be an undercover agent for the devil that goes to church and get the blessing of God. Amen. 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 So uh, so we're talking about what always precedes a major move of God. So in the fall of that uh, 2000, Jesus asked me this question. This isn't just the title of a message. I want to say this to you too. I, I know you're serious and I know you're really listening. Uh, this is something that's not just taught. It's got to be caught. You've got to, with your heart, listen. Jesus said, he has an ear to hear, let him hear. I want to say it one more time. This is not times as usual in a country that this is going to come to pass if we just think, oh, we just waited out, it's going to come to pass. No, it's demonic. And there's people that are deceived, that are in authority, that are enforcing wrong things. And if we as Christians don't get a hold of what we need to get a hold of in our own lives, then we'll get sucked under with it. But there's things that I'm going to talk about today that we can change the nation, not just this church, but Christians can. We can change the nation. And I was thinking again while I was in that front row there. I went to Sunday school back in the 1950s. Back in the 1960s. Church was different back then. The society was different. We come to church and all the ladies came in with their pretty dresses. The guys come in looking nice and everything like that. I'm not talking about clothing. I'm just talking about the picture I get in my mind. It was a different world. Even sinners back then lived better than a lot of Christians do today. Sinners were moral people, a lot of them, back then, because our society, our society had a respect for God. Our society had a respect for for, for Jesus, for church people. I remember my dad, I, I'll, never, I'll never forget one time, my dad went around the corner to the gas station to get an oil change on a Sunday. They got there and dad said, oh, I forgot it's Sunday, the gas stations are closed. They don't do oil changes. You get gas, I guess, but they don't do oil changes. And a lot of the stores and restaurants were closed because America at that point in time honored God in that day because they know that Christians go to church on Sunday. Christians choose Sunday to be a family day. That's what Christians do. Do you think God liked that? Do you think he'd like it again today? I'd like it again today. I'd like to be able to say, well, while this is Sunday, I can't go by that because they're closed because they're honoring God. Amen. And so I'm thinking about those days there and thinking about the things the Lord talked to me about. And he gave me three keys to a major move of God. He asked me that question over a period of several weeks. He talked to me. This wasn't just sitting down one day and God said, okay, get a pencil, I'll start writing. I'm talking about months, the things that are in that book there. Mrs. Pastor asked the other day, I said, where's those journals at? She's got them stored up for me. I haven't looked at it for years. 
I thought, man, I want to start looking now at some of those details again, a lot of what he said, because this book that Mrs. Pastor put together, the things out of my journals and things that the Lord's given her, is just probably 10% of things he said, but this is, this is just some of the main points. So he gave me three keys for his people to hook up with, for his people to hook up with, prepare things in the spiritual realm for him to do what he always wants to do, deliver his people from slavery and bondage so they can enjoy John 10.10 in the Amplified. When I said on the screen, I'll read it to you. John 10.10 in the Amplified. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but the will of God, the will of God is he wants us to have and enjoy life, have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That's the will of God. That's the will of God. We've been stolen from. It wasn't politicians that stole it. I'm not mad at one single solitary politician. I don't like a whole lot of what they do. I'm going to keep my focus on Jesus. And I'm going to recognize something that, you know, we've all got to know. Everybody wants to blame a congressman, a senator, all these other people. There's not one person would be an authority in America today if people didn't vote for him. Whether it's good politicians or bad politicians, you can't blame them, it's people. And you know what? We're still a Christian nation, whether we act like it or not, and there's too many Christians vote for people that are against everything the Bible teaches. And so what's the answer to that? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We teach the Bible what the Bible has to say, and we change the hearts and the souls of human beings, especially Christians, where they desire to do things different, then we'll change the nation because we'll change who's in authority because Christians are going to start saying, wow, I want to move a God. I want to move a God. I, I, I want to walk with Jesus. I want things to change. Amen? And so, and so uh, God always has wanted to deliver his people. And Christians, a lot of them, are just as oppressed and addicted and messed up in life and fearful as the world around them right now. But Jesus said he wants us to have and enjoy life, have it in abundance to the fold till it overflows. And so I, w- I want to say this again. The Lord gave me this while I was sitting there worshiping, while I stand there worshiping men to go. This is not just a nice Sunday school teaching I'm doing this morning and the things I'll be talking about. This is the Spirit of God through the Word of God prepared his people what to do so God can take back America again. Jesus is the head of the church, right? We're parts of the body of the church. The head gives signals and the body moves. You know, my brain's in my head, my spirit's in here, but for me to do things I'm doing right now, my my, my, my brain has to tell my arms to move, tell my mouth when to open, tell me who to look at tell me what to do, and then I follow through. Jesus, as the head, speaks to the body that the body's supposed to move. And so I'm one of his officers in his army, so he speaks to me and gives me instructions what to do, and then I give instructions to the people that he's assigned to me, and then if they do what he tells us to do, and then across the land, if pastors hear from the head, and tell the people God's given them to do what they're supposed to do, there's no way that Satan can continue doing what he's been doing if we do what we're supposed to do. Jesus 
is so great, he went down to hell for three days when he died. And then he said in Revelation chapter 1, I have the keys of hell and of death. Keys represent authority. And then he told us in Matthew 28, said, All authority is given unto me. Go ye therefore. He said, You cast out devils. You heal the sick. You raise the dead. You do this because you've got the authority. Let's do it, guys. Let's get this thing moving. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And so Jesus led me through the Bible back in those days, and he taught me at great, in great detail three Bible principles, three Bible principles that opened the door for major revival. I'll wait till I see the screen flip because I want to make sure you see what I'm saying while I'm saying it. Three Bible principles. Three Bible principles that opened the door for major revival. Now listen to this. I'm talking about a move of God that's cover to cover in the Bible. Number one thing in God's plan and God's purpose for revival, for a major move, he told me this, and he said it to me, and you know, I don't, I don't know how well you've learned the voice of God or experienced things, but he said to me, this to me is very strong authoritarian voice that shook my insides. He said, he always calls his people to position of prayer first, and then he said, always. He said, if he's going to move in a land, he said the number one thing he does, he calls his people. Didn't say the world, he said he calls his people. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know it, they follow it. And so we're talking about we're going to be talking about prayer today. It's the primary thing I'm going to talk about. We're talking about some, more, some different kind of praying that on the way to your, your job or whatever you do in the morning time, you're so busy with life, you mumble three or four little confessions you've got that the church will give you a piece of paper on or somebody else. Say, oh, I thank you, Lord. My day's blessed now. That's not it. He's talking about some different kind of prayer. We're going to talk about that. And you know, I want to say this again. What I'm talking about you're going to have to catch it's not just a Bible lesson. This is not one of those things you'll take down notes because it's your habit. I take down notes every service I go to, whether it's Dr. Barclay here or someone else. I always take notes because it's a good thing to do. I'm talking about not only taking notes, but something getting in you where you let it, and then you start responding to it because you've got to catch this. And to me, it's a no-brainer. America is sick. America is beyond sick. America will cease to exist at some point in time if Christians don't get on the ball. It's a spiritual warfare. You know, you think about, you've always heard of the great Roman Empire. What happened to it? It's gone. They didn't keep it. You think about so many different civilizations and nations that used to be great. They're gone. I've been to Nicaragua, been to Peru, been to Mexico, been to a few countries down south there. And when I see their history, they weren't always poor like they are now. They used to have a whole lot more Jesus and people down there that believed in spiritual things about Jesus, and they lost it. They let people that are anti-God people come in. Communists, socialist people that say, we can have every religion of these nations except Christians. Said you can study all the different things in your schools except Christianity. You can't study that. Does that sound familiar? Wake up. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. We can't keep our head in the sand any longer. 
We're going to have to do what the Bible says to do as Christians. We want to keep it. And, you know, I was thinking again, as we was worshiping God a minute ago, I started seeing things that all of a sudden things start coming together. Uh, some of you can remember some of the things of the past that you've heard about probably. Some of you were here then. How many remember the 1940s, 1950s when we had the healing wave across America? Earl Roberts and a lot of people like that. Well, back in those days, tuberculosis, tuberculosis and polio were plagues. I remember when I was growing up, it was real serious. People were dying of tuberculosis. A lot of kids were crippled from polio. It was eaten up the United States, and the healing wave came. That was a move of God. People cried out for God in America, and people started setting up healing tents. People come by the tens of thousands, and God healed of those things. But what happens in the spiritual bleeds over into the natural. Then Jonas Salk, I remember when he came on the scene, he invented the Salk vaccine. I remember when me and my family got the Salk vaccine to protect us from polio. And then people started getting cures and things for tuberculosis because people cried out. God said spiritual leaders and things happened. And then the natural things happened. It's because people cried out and they prayed. And there have been several. That was a major move of God. There's been several major moves of God over the course of time. Pastor David, Tony Cook can teach you about those because they study them a whole lot more than I do. But I'm telling you, God can do it. But he needs us. We got to cooperate. And so then he said the number two thing, the number two thing is leadership. Leadership. God always raises up and sends spiritual leaders in answer to prayers. You've got to know this. If you're praying, God's going to raise up people, going to tell, they're going to be answered to your prayer, and they're going to tell you what to do. As you read, as you, as you read the judges in the Bible, I think about the different moves in there, and because of time, I can't just keep on going too long about things, talk about it more in the future. But you think about this. How many know that Israel was slavery and bondage in Egypt? As you study that out, it says the people of Israel cried out to God, and then God said, Moses, I hear their cries. Moses, go tell them what I'm telling you to do. And Moses said, I can't talk too good, but my brother can. But you don't think about it. His brother never said anything. Moses did all the talking anyway. Because when the leader steps up, God anoints him. And things change. And so Moses showed up then as the leader. And then Moses heard from God what to do to get them out. And then you get to the judges. You get, you get to Gideon. At Gideon, the people of God cried out because the Midianites had them in bondage, stealing from them and hurting them. And then God said, Gideon, you mighty man of God. And Gideon said, who, me? And God said, yeah, Gideon, I'm calling you. And so then Gideon rose up by God, tell the people what to do, and then Gideon let them out. And then I think about, I think about the book of Acts. If you know the history of the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, the first believers, about 120 of them, what were they doing? Praying. And then what happened? God had the 12 apostles. And then what happened? The Holy Ghost came down, and that was a major move again. And we're still in that move. It's always prayer, leadership, and unity all through the Bible. So unity is the third principle. And in unity is this. Now get a hold of this. All, all three of these, to me, are equally as important. But it's the prayer first, and then the leaders, and then the unity. God's people quit fighting each other. 
and get behind and follow the leaders that he sends and answer to their prayers. Quit fighting. Quit fighting. Christians have got to quit fighting. You know, I think about 1 Timothy 6, 12. He said, fight the good fight of faith. He didn't say, fight your fellow believers that are out of your political party. He didn't say, fight the ones that don't speak in tongues. He didn't say, fight the ones that speak in tongues. He said, fight the good fight of faith. And so when you study all these moves of God in the Bible, the people started off with, when Moses come forth to lead, they followed Moses. They were in unity. And the ones that weren't in unity with the man of God, what he was telling God had them to do, the earth swallowed them up. That's pretty big. Then you see the same thing with Gideon and the book of Acts. You all you see over and over again, they were one heart, one court, one accord, one mind, one soul, had all things common, and they changed the known world back then by a move of God that's still going today. Amen. And so these things I'm talking about, get a hold of it. Unity, unity, unity. That's such a big thing in the kingdom of God. You know, I just know over the years with me, with Christians, other preachers that have wanted to argue doctrine with me or about other things. If I happen to be in a minister's function where we're all eating together, somebody wants to start fighting about some kind of doctrinal thing, you know what I say? Pass the salt, please. What do you think about this? I say, well, I know this. Jesus loves me. He died for me. Well, does your church believe in this? I say, well, you know what? Jesus is good. His mercy endures forever. You know why I do that? Because James 3.16 says where there's envy and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. I choose to walk in unity. If somebody else doesn't want to, that's between them and God. As for me and my house, we're going to love. We're going to be faithful. We're not going to get sidetracked and distracted and start fighting about politics. Start fighting about whatever's going on or whose fault it is. As far as I'm concerned, it's always the devil's fault as some innocent pawn, whether it's a politician, whether it's a president, whether it's a judge, whether it's whoever it is, that they yielded to the wrong spirit. And because they did, I might have to suffer for a while through the, through the, the uh, results of decisions they've made and things they've done. But I'll tell you one thing, I'll go through the fire going with Jesus. Me and Jesus will come out on top because I always triumph in Christ. Amen? And so that's the thing. We've got to know how this whole thing works. And, and, and as we look at these things, I want you to catch a hold of this. And so we've got to follow the leadership that God raises up. How can you know if it's a godly leader? Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So if, if, if you've got people teaching you the Bible, telling you what to do, do they have the fruit of Jesus? Are they haters? Are they God lovers? Do they cause strife and division? Or do they promote unity? Do they get you depressed? Or do they lift you up? And I'll tell you what, for what I said right there, you've got to understand, if you're in a church service and you're doing wrong things, you don't know what to do, and somebody preaches the truth, that's not depression you get hit. That's conviction in your heart. Like, oh, man, you mean I can't sleep with her anymore? Well, just put a wedding ring on her finger, then you can. 
Amen. Amen. And oh, you mean I can't spend all my money at Las Vegas? Well, give God 10% first and do whatever you want to with the rest of it. I guarantee you one thing, you start giving in 10%, you won't be, won't be giving to Vegas anymore. Amen. The whole thing is when you got a preacher teaching the Word of God, and let me tell you something, there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation will get you depressed. What condemnation is, that somebody pointing their finger at you all the time said, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And on the inside you're thinking, yeah, I know I shalt not. But what shall I do so I shall not do it anymore? Conviction points out what you're doing wrong, then shows you what you do to get out of it and do right. Amen. Like right now. I just, in a, in a, in a kind of a, wasn't planned on it, kind of a off-the-cuff off, off way, talked about marriage. And then fornication. I didn't call them those things, but the whole thing is, the Bible says thou shalt not fornicate. That means have sex outside of marriage. And so if I just stopped right there, you think, man, that's not fair. But then I, think I gave you the answer. I said, get married. And so, in other words, if you're fornicating, get married, and you're not fornicating. Amen. The Bible then calls it blessed. Amen. And so, see, that that's the difference between condemnation and conviction. Somebody preaching the truth might feel bad for a minute. He's like, yeah, that's me, guilty. But then say, here's how you get unguilty. Change it like this, and that's what the Word of God says. Does that help you? Amen. And so you need to follow men of God, women of God, as they follow Christ. Jesus always showed them what to do. Had he never agreed that's doing wrong, but he didn't leave them there. He said, here's what you got to do. Turn this around. Amen. And so anyway, I want to look at the kind of praying today that God's looking for. How many want to do the kind of praying that God wants? The kind that Jesus wants to get our country changed? I'll tell you what, till, till, till my dying breath, I'm planning on living a lot more years, till my dying breath, I'm going to do my best to pray like Jesus wants me to pray and to teach how he wants me to teach and lead how he wants me to lead. And so anyway, in this kind of praying, I'm going to look at, look at some things in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and I want to tell you this, what I've learned a long time ago. You don't make doctrines off of one verse or one passage or one thing, but there's Bible principles, spiritual laws are like a thread. They're woven throughout the entire Bible. The whole Bible is connected. The whole Bible is connected from Genesis to Revelation by common threads that move it all that move, is that the word? Wove. It's woven together. Woven together by a common thread, and the kind of praying that God looks for is one of those threads that hooks the entire Bible together. And so uh, I'm going to read something. This is not in your notes. You can turn to Second Chronicles 7, verse 13 and 14. But while you're going there, I was thinking about this this morning from Luke chapter 11, verse 9 and 10. I'm going to read it. If you want to look at it, you can. But I was thinking about the kind of prayer and the kind of praying that God answers. <clears throat> And I'm so grateful to know that God answers prayers. Were there an agreement with the Word of God and agreement with the Holy Spirit? I want to say that again. How many here know that you have the Holy Spirit in you because you're a born-again Christian? And the Holy Spirit is the one that put in the hearts of the men that wrote the Bible what to write. And so the Holy Spirit will always bear witness with your spirit. And sometimes he'll put you on a trail. You know, I think about 
think about dogs. You know, back where I came from, people had hunting dogs and things, and you've probably seen shows where they got bloodhounds. Well, when a bloodhound gets a scent, it stays on that till it picks up on what it was it's smelling to get after, and sometimes God will begin to initiate prayer amongst his people. And I know that recently I've talked to different pastors and preachers from around the country and some from around the world, and we're all starting to pray the same things because it's the same Holy Spirit. And so as we talk about things today, there's going to be things that God begins to put in our hearts that we'll be praying together, and sometimes we will pray together. But we'll be praying in our private prayer times, and they're going to be talking to other Christians, and they're going to say, you know what? My pastor preached that same thing today, and that's what we're doing. Somebody will say, you know what? We had a traveling minister come to our church. He used those same verses, and that's what we're doing. We're praying those things. You know why? God has always been smarter than the devil or any stupid human being. Hey, that's a good time to clap. Amen. God is smarter. And so in Luke chapter 11, talking about this prayer thread, verse 9 and this, verse 10, Jesus said, I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, it shall be opened unto you. <clears throat> For every one that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And so Jesus is speaking of your personal prayer life here. But listen to this. Can you imagine if a majority of Christians in our nation were united with the Holy Spirit? Asking the same things. Seeking the same things. Knocking on that spiritual door. Wow. One to put a thousand to flight. Two put ten thousand to flight. And if you get Christians that get hungry enough for a move of God, and we all start praying the same things, getting God's attention, that's how Israel got out of Egypt. They finally got tired of the Egyptians that made slaves out of them and their kids. They got tired out of being slaves and in bondage to Pharaoh and his mean soldiers, his mean people, and never having anything. Working all day long, little food, little water, and Pharaoh got it all, they got nothing. All they got was the whip. Whether you know it or not, in America right now, through satanic bondage, through a lot of things, that's what's going on in America right now. A lot of people right now are getting the whip, and they're not crying out yet. Well, everything's okay. We're doing okay. Yeah, we're just we're doing okay. Yeah, until you're not doing okay. But if you would have started getting serious now, you would have not got to that place where you're just really out of it. And so God wants us to ask, to seek, to knock as a body of Christ across the world. What always precedes the major move of God? The number one thing, prayer. He causes people to position a prayer first. Look at Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. And this whole chapter is such a good chapter. God said, if I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. I wonder if California would be affected with more rain if California quit flipping God off. I don't have a nicer way to say it. 
how could you, with all these millions of people, keep on doing everything you can to shut God out of society and out of life and expect the blessing of God? I want to read that again. God's the one that's got the spigot. God said, if I turn it off. You know, we, we preach the goodness of God, but I'll tell you what, judgment is just a part of God as the goodness is. So he said, if I shut up heaven that the beat on rain, if I command the locusts to devour the land, Man, I'll tell you what, how many different types of ways has our agriculture, everything been hit? Or if I send pestilence among my people, verse 14, do you think that a lot of bad, bad things happened to America in our generation? I remember the 1950s. It wasn't that bad at all. It wasn't anywhere close to this. But we're much more a, God, a godly society back then. So then God says here, the kind of prayer God's looking for, you know, I want to say that again. He said he always calls his people to position of prayer first, always. Then he tells us what he's looking for. If my people, he did not say, if all the other religions that believe there's another way to heaven other than Jesus Christ, he said my people. Well, the times we live in, my people would be Christian people. Amen. If my people, which are called by my name, well, Jesus is the Son of God. Bible says that Jesus was actually God of the flesh. And so Christians today are named after Christ. And so we're called by the name of Christ as Christians. So in other words, saying, if Christians shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. I don't have time to read my Bible. But how many Bible uh, or how many uh, game apps do you have on your phone? How many social media websites do you have in your phone? I, don't, I just don't have time to read my Bible. Well, how much time do you devote a day to all those other things that are corrupt in your mind, that are still in your faith? He said, if my people, and he didn't just say back then, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If my people in 21st century America that are called Christians, shall humble themselves and pray and seek what they can on the Internet about me. Seek what they can on the fake news. He says, seek whose face? His face. And then just keep on living in sin, no matter what their pastors teach. Just keep, keep on stealing God's tithe. Just keep on putting, let, let, let the leisure and fun. Oh, I just can't wait till Disney opens. I can't wait till all these places open so I can start spending my weekends there instead of in church. I'm getting bored with church. But I'm ready to go back and spend $2,000 for, for a, what do they call them, a annual pass. So I, why? So I can spend the tithe down there and do all those kind of things. Where's this kind of preaching come from, man? It comes from heaven. God wants to get your attention. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the pleasures of life. Have a good vacations. But the Lord taught me as a baby pastor, he said, always teach the people, don't ever take a spiritual vacation. You keep following Jesus. When you take the vacation, don't say, okay, it's summertime. 
I'm shutting church off. I'm done. Well, what if that's the time the big attack comes on your young one, on your physical health, and then you're, you feel so much the way the devil works, he tempts you to do something, and then when you fall for it, he condemns you for doing it so you can't get back in. And so you, you, try, you, you do things that you know you shouldn't do, and then you're embarrassed because you did them, and you're afraid to ask for prayer. You get out into some place where you're in no man's land, and your family's under attack, and you're thinking, well, I can't call the pastor. I can't call these Christians. Nobody likes me anymore. They're all mad at me. They all think I'm, I'm low life because I haven't been to church for two months. That's not the way it works at all. Jesus isn't that way, and we're not that way, but the devil is. And if he can sucker you to get out and start worshiping the God of pleasure over Jesus, he'll destroy you. Amen. It says, my people shall turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. He said, forgive their sin. You know, the world has one sin, the sin of rejecting Jesus. Christians, if they do wrong things after they're Christians, they have flesh sins. They have sins that they do. But God said, when you turn from your wicked way, then I forgive your sin. He says, then I hear from heaven and I heal their land. And what's that mean? Well, look at, look at uh, Proverbs chapter 28. And I, there's so much in this verse I look at, but I want to focus on that, turn from their wicked ways. He said, then will I hear from heaven. Proverbs 28 verse 9 in the New Living Translation says this. God detests the prayers of a person who ignores the law. That's the word of God. It says he detests the prayers of a person that hears the Bible, hears the Bible, hears the Bible, but they never do what the Bible says. That's why he said, then I'll hear from heaven. Because God says, as long as you long as you're bad like a sheep, but living like a pig, I can't hear you. Man, that's pretty heavy, isn't it? Why else would God say, then I'll hear? He said, when you turn from your wicked ways, then I hear you. You know, I, th- I, think, about, I think about that old religious saying, God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. Well, if you're somebody that doesn't know God, then it may be mysterious to you. But Jesus told us in Luke chapter 4, Matthew chapter 12, or Luke chapter 8, Matthew 12, and Mark 4, he said, it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. He said, to them on the outside, it's all a mystery. But when you're on the inside, it's not a mystery anymore. And he told us in those three parables how the word of God works. He said, it's a seed. It gets in the soul of your heart, and then it grows and brings faith, and faith brings fruit. It's not a mystery to me at all. I lay hands on the sick. I anoint and follow the name of the Lord, pray the prayer of faith. It's not a mystery to me at all why they see again, why they walk again, why I get the testimony back with the doctor. The doctor said it's not there. It's not a mystery to me at all. For a tither, 
to come and tell me something supernatural that God gave in their life. I just think about a man this morning sitting back there, showed me a picture this past week. He got rear-ended by a big truck, totally demolished that car. It looks like an accordion. Came out without a scratch. I know that man serves God. He's a tither. But I'm very sure somebody said, man, that's really a mystery. I don't understand that. I understand it totally. I've lived my whole Christian life that way. Those are not mysteries. And so I know that it's not a mystery to me that when Christians quit sinning, prayers get answered. God says he detests the prayers of those who won't obey what he says to do. That's pretty serious, isn't it? I'm talking about the kind of prayer that God hears so he can change a nation. And I want to say it again. Can you imagine if a majority of Christians in the United States of America made the decision in their hearts and with their actions what my pastor teaches from the Bible, how to live, I'm going to change. I'm starting living that way. Can you imagine what it would be like if a Christian had this attitude? If I can't say this in front of my church congregation, then I can't say it in private. If I can't watch this show with my pastor and his family, I can't watch this show. If I can't go in this place with with the leaders of my church, I can't go in this place when they're not looking. Jesus Christ is, is the same yesterday and forever. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, show himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are fully committed to him, that are loyal to him. What would happen if Christians said, I'm going to start living what the Bible says to do? Well, God says right here, he detests the prayers of those that hear it but don't do it. And then he says in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, he says, when they turn from their wicked ways, then I hear their prayers. Does God really mean what he says? I want to say that again. How many people in America are crying out right now but they're not living for God, but they're crying out and it's not working? God said there's a condition, said my people, you know, forget the world people. They don't know any better. I used to be in the world, and what I was, I could care less about what Christians told me or what God said because I wasn't living for him. Once I gave my heart to him, I wasn't their people, I was his people. Then things changed and become accountable. Write down James one twenty two. Write it down. It goes with this verse right here. In James 1.22, he said, Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Deceiving your own selves. And so God blesses doers, not hearers only. Believers that hear and know, but don't do, they live a life of spiritual deception. Spiritual deception. In the book of Acts, there are some believers... That's all the disciples and apostles casting out demons. And then it says there were seven sons of a priest named Sceva. And they come to a man 
that was demon-possessed and seven grown men said, Satan, come out of him in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And the demons spoke to these seven guys and they said, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who are you? And it says that those seven guys got beat up by one little guy because it was the demons in him. How many of us, how many of us have tried to do, if we wasn't living right, have tried to do what believers that follow Jesus do and we got no results? You know what that's called? It's called self-deception. You think I can drink what I want to drink, smoke what I want to smoke, have the kind of sex I want to have outside of marriage, do what I want to do, and then think when the crisis comes, in the name of Jesus, Satan... And they beat you up. They say, well, I use the name of Jesus. Can you live that way? Do the things you do? It says, what's your, Colossians chapter 3 says, whatsoever you do of word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. Can you have that kind of sex in the name of Jesus? Can you drink those things in the name of Jesus? Can you smoke those things in the name of Jesus? If you can't do those things in the name of Jesus, in life the word of God, knowing that the Bible's working, you shouldn't do it. Because if you do, James 1.22 says you're in self-deception thinking, I'm a Christian, but you're not living like a Christian. Well, say, you might say, well, I'm living like the Christians. I like to listen to on the, on the Internet. Well, if they're not teaching the Bible, living like the Bible, quit listening to those guys. They're deceiving you. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. So he says that he'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. I want to say it again. Unless you're blind, deaf, and dumb, you know America needs healing. We don't need different politicians. <clears throat> we need healing from God. And we receive spiritual healing from God this nation, then we'll get different kinds of politicians. Amen. We'll get men and women that love God again. For God to heal the heart and soul of America... It'll take more than praying. I want to say it again. According to this verse, it'll take more than praying. And I'm talking about me and you must start obeying what we read in the Bible. Because that's what he said, interpret their wicked ways. And so there's a lot of praying going on right now. Now there needs to be some love in the Word of God and do what the Word of God says. Amen. And so the golden rule would be a good place to start in obedience. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 31. Because he says that people that don't obey his word said he detests their praying. And I, you know, when the Lord gave me this Luke 6, 31, I thought about so many things in our country we could apply this to. Luke 6, 31, Jesus said, And as you would that men should do to you, do you also to them likewise. We call this the golden rule, but Jesus is the one that gave it to us. And actually, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, he says the same thing, but a little bit different. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, with the golden rule, he says that when you did this, you fulfilled the law and the commandments. So when you live by the golden rule, you're also obeying the Ten Commandments. 
Think about this. Think about this. This it, Years and years and years ago, I saw what had happened. I called them the 1-800-SUE lawyers. Used to be on the phone books when we had phone books. Back in Indiana, I came to California. It's the same thing. They have a picture, a full-page picture on a phone book of a lawyer. It says, call me, 1-800-SUE. I'll help you destroy everybody around you. Would you, like somebody, <clears throat> if you bump somebody's car and you knew that, man, then what do you think? There's a scratch on their fender, and then you get a letter to come to court. says, man, you've broken my neck. You've ruined me for life. And you thought, man, that's a scratch on the bumper. You got out and didn't say anything. You said you didn't even hurt. And now you're going to sue me? It's because they got, they got a letter from the 1-800-SUE lawyer said, we'll get you everything these people have. Would you like somebody to take all your retirement? You have to sell your house, sell all you had to get somebody that's trying to destroy you. Well, don't do it to them then. Man, as far as I'm concerned, the church might as well just say, I say no to 1-800-SUE lawyers, whatever it is. When you're trying to destroy other people, you're not obeying the golden rule. You're not being a doer of the word of God. You see what I'm saying? That's a good place to start. Think about your neighbors around you where you live. What do you want them to do to you? Well, you treat them like you want them to treat you. What about the people on your job? What about the people in your church? What I'm talking about is God said, my people turn from their wicked ways that I hear from heaven. America has a serious hate issue in it. Christians should not be sucked into that. We should start acting like Christians. Just because all the social media, everybody else says, this is how we're supposed to think about people of this color or policemen or this person or that person or that kind of church. What's the Bible say we're supposed to think about that policeman? What's the Bible say we're supposed to think about that race? What's the Bible say we're supposed to think about rich people or poor people? Bible says God created the rich and the poor and said they're all the same. They're going to die someday. Where are they going to go? So whether it's a poor person or a rich person, we're supposed to love them. We're supposed to preach the gospel to the poor. We're supposed to preach the gospel to the rich. We're supposed to love them, but that spirit of hatred and division in America has absolutely consumed the church. <clears throat> Amen. God said, I, I detest the prayers of those who don't obey my word. And then he says, when my people call by my name, turn from their wicked ways, then I'm hearing them, and then I'm going to heal their land. Body of Christ, get rid of the hatred. Start treating people how you want your kids treated. Start treating people how you want to be treated. Amen? And then you're obeying Jesus and the golden rule. And so when you live by golden rule, you're obeying the Ten Commandments. And you think about the Ten Commandments, all the things thou shalt not do. Well, if you live by the golden rule, you're not doing those things then. You're not going to covet your neighbor's things. You're not going to want the neighbor's wife or husband, et cetera, et cetera. And so anyway, I want to look at the New Testament equivalent of Second Chronicles 7.14, which is Acts 3.19. And this is where we end up uh, talking a little bit about this and we'll close it down. But how many are seeing some things today about God moving in our nation? Amen. You know, I learned a long time ago that we're not waiting on God. God's waiting on us. 
He wants us as a body of Christ to find out that the same blood of Jesus that worked a thousand years ago works today. The same Bible that was true before they had social media is still true today. The same Bible that was true before all these different modern ways to sin came into existence is still true today. The Bible still works to get you out of sin. The Bible still works to forgive your sin. The Bible still works to supply your needs. The Bible still works to give you favor with God because to have favor with man, you've got to favor with God first. You get favor with God by living for him, right? Amen. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. And this, to me, this says the same thing as the Second Chronicles seven fourteen. says, repent you therefore and be converted. Well, he's talking to believers already then. He's telling the believers to change, that your sins may be blotted out. And so what he's saying, and you know, I like, I like to repent and convert. Like Dr. Barclay said, the conference was just out. There's a difference between a 180-degree turn and a 360 turn. 180-degree turn means you're going this way, and you turn around and go in the opposite direction now. You're running this way as hard as you could for the devil. Now you turn around, you're running this way for Jesus as hard as you can, not just making a flip around and say, well, I said a prayer, and still go in the same direction. He says, repent and be and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Now look at this, and here's where the move of God comes in. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord is talking about revival. That's talking about a big move of God. That's talking about nations having a move of God, and we've had so many. But God said, when we repent in our thinking and our lifestyles as Christians, and allow our lives to be converted to what God wants them to be, then times of revival is going to come when we get like that. And so look at verse 20 and 21. It says, And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. And I like this. Now's the time to get excited when you see this. Whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things. Times of restitution of all things. And that word restitution there means restoration. God wants to restore America. God wants to restore things from when this nation was founded. Restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouths of all his holy prophets since the world begun. And of course, we know he's talking about restitution in the earth, but also in nations. And so he wants to take us back to how we were at the beginning, a Christian nation. We weren't a secular nation. We weren't of every religion nation except Christianity. We were a Christian nation. Amen. And so God wants to restore America. When the Hebrews left Egypt, they left free from Pharaoh and Egyptian bondage. They left free to worship and serve God. Do you remember the main thing Moses told Pharaoh every time? Let my people go so they can worship God. Let my people go so they can worship God. That's what God said of the Spirit right now. Christians, he's saying, get serious. I want you free to worship me in this nation. I want the Bible back in the schools. I want prayer back in schools. I want the Bible back in the government. I want prayer back in the government. I want churches start having Christian pastors. Pastors that don't drink. 
Pastors are not in sexual perversion. Pastors are not teaching people how to sin better, etc., etc. Restitution. They left healed. They left with the wealth of Egypt. What always precedes the major move of God? Praying God's way, living morally right, living how the Bible says to live. And so that is what precedes the major move of God. That's what we have for today. And I pray that you caught something off of that, that something got in your heart. And this week, just in your prayer time, start searching some things in your heart. And I know I just, one thing for me, I had one little social media thing I like, like to, I like to look at about the news things. A couple weeks ago, I said, Lord, I said, I want to start going on a fast for my spiritual life. And you know, all fasts aren't necessarily food fast. And so I said, Lord, what's the best thing I could fast? Well, I remember Dr. Barclay in his testimony said back when he was a young Christian Marine got saved, he was still addicted to alcohol. And so he got back where he cut back on it, but he's still drinking it. And this old woman in his church talked to him, and she said, Mark, said, so you're fasting food, fasting all this stuff here? Said, but let me ask you this. Were you addicted to food? Was that your problem? He said, no. She said, what was your problem, Mark? Said, alcohol. Said, what's your problem now? Said, alcohol. Well, why don't you fast the alcohol then if that's your problem? So he said, yeah. So he fasted alcohol and he got delivered. And so I realized some of my time stealing was looking at a certain social thing on the thing about news. It was a new stuff. And I said, Lord, I said, I'm shutting that off. I mean, I pretty much had, I shut off Facebook and all that other stuff years ago. When I look at Facebook, it's not from an app. I just go on the long way and look at it and get off of it real quick and other things. And so anyway, I shut this one off. I said, Lord, I realized for a fast that what was taking up your time before, you got to fill with something else or it's not a real fast. So I said, Lord, every time that I would have looked at that on the internet there, I'm just going to turn that into time and look at the Bible instead. And so I've filled up that little time slot with the Bible now to change things around. So I'm just giving you a challenge this week. If there's anything the Lord leads you to do as you're seeking God, things get in your heart from what you heard today, start filling up some things with some more Bible time. Even if you don't have your Bible with you, have it on your phone, write it on a piece of paper. It's like you're tempted, I'm going to go look at this. Just say, wait a minute. I'm going to look at my Bible instead. I'm going to quote some verses. And you start doing that, tell you what, this hunger, this spiritual hunger for a move of God will start growing in you. And you're going to see things going to tweak you. You know, you may not be a gross sinner, but Hebrews 12 says, lay aside those sins of the weights that hold you back. So little things that have kept you from being all you want to be for God, you'll see them fall by the wayside. And so if you haven't got that book yet, they're in the bookstore, get that book. That's got a lot of things in it that we'll be talking about. They'll help you. But I want to say this. I, myself, have had it up to here with seeing my nation stolen. I've got kids. I've got grandkids. And if Jesus doesn't come back, they'll outlive me by a long time. I want them to have restitution. I want this nation to be back again for what I even saw back in my young life where sinners had morals. They didn't want to just go around hurting everybody, stealing everything. And we're Christians. You get around Christians again, you'll say, that's a holy grandma. That's a holy grandpa. 
that's a holy man of God. That's a holy woman of God. Your children have such great manners. Where'd they get those from? Well, they followed me as I followed Christ. That's where. Amen. Pastor Dave, hallelujah. Amen, amen. Wow, we got, I got a lot to, to examine, you know, after hearing that this morning. And I know that uh, we are, we're setting up for a major move of God, right? So prayer, leadership, unity, amen. And I do remind you that uh, the mom and dad's book is back there at the bookstore now. Um, and you can really follow along really good with the teaching that we've been going over uh, with all that. If you grab that book and praise God, let's go ahead and stand up together today. Amen. We're going to. I uh, pray over you, and and I just know that God's going to do some great things in us this week. Amen. A uh, couple of quick reminders here. Uh, first of all, uh, they're going to be doing the youth group again. I'm reminding you that they're having a little uh, popsicle sale outside after service, and that's going to help them with their trip. So I uh, just want to remind you they'll be right out there out, out of the front. And um, the for the Tuesday night ladies Bible study, uh, they're studying the Kenneth Hagin book, Following God's Plan for Your Life. You can grab that out of the bookstore also. And uh, you can join Katie and the ladies at our house on Tuesday night from 6 to 7 if you're a lady. All right, men, you aren't allowed to come. I, they even kick me out. I have to leave. So it's, it's that legit. And um, praise God. So let's go ahead. I want to pray over you today. And I know that the word that was sown, it's not going to return void. This is something powerful for us to stand on this week. Can we raise our hands together? Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for what we've seen in your word today, God. And we know that Second Chronicles 7, that's real. That's legit stuff right there, God, that if your people will turn from their wicked ways, God, and they pray, you will hear from heaven, God, and you will restore our land. And we know that you want to do a work right now, and we want to be involved in that, Father. So I thank you in the name of Jesus that we, right here at High Desert Word Center, we'll start right here, God, that we're looking to you, Lord. We're turning to prayer right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we refuse to keep going the direction that things have been going. We're going to see an end times revival before you come back. And we thank you for it, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray for every person here, Lord, that as we go this week, this week, God, you're giving us opportunities to be the light of the world. Lord, you're giving us chances to share the gospel, to speak the word of God boldly, publicly, Lord, and not be ashamed of you or your name. We thank you for using us this week, and we will step up to the plate in the mighty name of Jesus. We love you, and we praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Well, we're going to speak some words of faith over Barstow. Parents, remember to grab your kids uh, from their classes and everything. We'll be back tonight, 6 o'clock, all right? And there's warfare prayer at 5 o'clock. All the kids are in Victory Hall. So uh, so if you, whatever age group your kid is, they're in Victory Hall unless they're a baby. The nursery's upstairs, so you grab your babies from up there, all right? Amen. Let's say this together, and hey, we're speaking faith over America, but we're speaking faith over Barstow right here. We want to see this city change for the glory of God, amen? Let's say this together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, 
joy and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We'll see you tonight.